Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and for the final time ever, yeah. I'm joined by uh, the wonderful Matt. Yeah, here we go. Oh, you know what? Legendary. I should have gone with legendary. We're doing Legend of the Sea Devils. Oh, no. It's too late now. (laughs) No, I I think it's important we establish this is our final ever episode. It is, yes. This is Um, a goodbye forever. We've we've caught up, which is all we ever were attempting to do. No interest in watching the the final uh, Whitaker special. You know, RTD two couldn't couldn't give a stuff about uh, any of that. Sixtieth anniversary. I remember nah. when we sat down about three and a half years ago. I said, yeah. "David, I like the idea, but I've only got one hundred and eighty four episodes in me." <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. So, you know, it's it's been a journey. It has. Yeah. All journeys end, and here we are at ours. Uh, should we tell him that? David. We're, yeah. I, I don't want to go. <laughs> he said the thing, listeners. Uh, we are, of course, pulling your collective leg, dear listeners. Um, we might be caught up by the end of this episode, but, you know, we have plans beyond uh, New Who. Um, you know, we will probably go into more detail about said plans next week. Uh, yeah, but let's just say for the moment because we haven't made back. our plans yet. <laughs> we, we kind we, of we have. We might talk about them next week, uh, but we <laughs> well, have to think. Once I've had first. a chance to finalise the schedule, yes. But uh, you know, we we know broadly what we're going to be doing, um, just not necessarily the order in which we're going to be doing it. Um, but yeah, let let's savour this moment, Matt. We. You you have watched every episode of twenty first century Doctor Who. Here we go. Here we go. Here we fucking go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we fucking go. We've done it, David. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Game over. How are you feeling, Matt? Oh, I'm so pleased, David. Remember when we started yeah. and I was just like, oh my God, there's 11 more series of this. <laughs> and that, and then you said, oh yeah, it's been about since the 60s. Oh. Yeah. But here it's, we are. Yeah. yeah, it's happened. I feel um, liberated. I feel like yeah. one of those Chilean miners when they got freed. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and what a perfect one to end on as well. Uh, a, a a sort of incredibly unspecial feeling, you know, staunchly mediocre. Yeah, well, I think that's been generous. Story. I think that's been generous, David. <laughs> we'll we'll get we'll get we'll get into it properly in due course, but uh, yeah, I couldn't help but think when I when I, when we were first watching uh, when I was first watching uh, Legend of the Sea Devils a few weeks ago, oh. This is the one we're ending on. This is yeah, the grand finale, as it were. <laughs> this is going to feel somewhat disappointing. Uh, but anyway, let's let's. Uh, How's your week been? Can back? I give you an update do... on my week? Yeah, of, sure. Yes, uh, please. You, you might remember last week when you said, "Matt, how's your week been?" 
And I uh-huh. said, oh, David, I've been lucky enough to guest on the Cloyster Bells 100th episode. Yeah. Well, between now and then, I deleted all the audio. So I, <laughs> I've sat and recorded Cloyster Bell episode 100 for a yeah. second time. Oh, my goodness. And it was not a quick record, was it? No, no, no. It was a solid three-hour block. <laughs> oh, my God. So when when we recorded, I mm-hmm. said to Rob, oh, I'm going to set a recorder as a backup. Right. Meaning I assumed he was recording and I'd take a second recording in case we needed it. Yeah. He assumed I was recording and also had a backup. So... I just deleted it thinking, oh, it must be all right. I haven't heard from him. He doesn't need the backup. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, classic podcast misunderstanding. Mm. But the good news is when we recorded for a second time, Mark from the All of Time and Space podcast was there. Yeah, oh, lovely. Podcasting's Mr. Nice. And, mm-hmm. you know, had a lovely chat. So, yeah, a good evening I am... all around. Yeah, I am really looking forward to listening to that one. Yeah, it, it was yeah, I, all fun, all the time. Excellent. Speaking um, of fun, David, can I make a yes. recommendation? Of course you can. So, early, earlier in the week, my, my brother uh, recommended a film to me. And every time I spoke to him, he said, have you watched this film? Have you watched this film? Mm-hmm. And yesterday, I woke up stupidly early on a Sunday morning, couldn't lie in. And I put this film on, and it's an absolute delight. So this week, I'd like to recommend Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Right. It, this is the new one, is it, that's on and Disney Plus? It's fantastic. Mm. I I have fond, if vague, memories of the cartoon series. It's It's very much... In the same vein as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right, okay. And, and some of the jokes are absolutely 10 out of 10. Would you say its its target audience is less sort of um, the seven-year-olds of today or rather than the, the seven-year-olds of it, uh, it, the mid-1990s? There's, there's right? jokes for okay. kids and... There's jokes for adults that aren't tongue-in-cheek. You could easily watch mm-hmm. it with a child. But yeah. it, it's it's fantastic. I I, I, I saw it yesterday uh, when I was uh, poking around on, on Disney+. Plus Because um, my partner and I were, were looking for something new to watch with uh, Little Zorbs. Because as good as Moana is, there's only so many times... You can you can watch that film and and not just need to leave the room for the majority of it, because you know it line for line. Um, so we we were we were casting around trying to find something and and, and it did catch my eye because it had a little banner and stuff. But I was just like, I don't I'm not sure whether a three year old's going to get a lot out of that yet. I kind of need to I think at least watch a trailer and get a proper sense for it. Um, if you're curious, we ended up watching Tangled. Oh yeah, Which, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, I'd never seen it because it it kind of it fit, it came out in that period where I neither had a child of my own nor any children in my life, and I was you know 
I would have been what early twenties or something when it came out and had very little interest in mainstream Disney films at that point. Um, but yeah, I watched it yesterday. It's an absolute belter. Mm. I think it's a it's a really really solid uh, effort. Slight shame that they, uh, for marketing reasons, uh, backed away from calling it Rapunzel, which is you know what it should have been called, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and instead uh, sort of hedged their bets to try and pull in a wider audience. But, you know, um, it is it is good. Um, yeah, anything else much happened to you this week, Matt? Uh, uh, not that I can think of. Not that I can think mm. of. Uh, well, I had, I had a surprisingly eventful Saturday. Oh, do tell. Um, so... Um, Thanks in large part to um, a, a generous uh, a generous contribution from uh, my partner's uh, beloved Nana. We had a bit of cash to um, to spend on something we've been saving up for for a while, um, which is a boot jump. Are you familiar with the concept of a boot jump, Matt? A boot jump? Yes. What it is, in essence, is... Um, a means of converting a small van into a temporary camper van. Okay. So it's literally a thing that you stick in your boot and you can either fold down the back seats or, you know, take them out completely. And, and it sort of just, unf- it can unfurl into a bed or it can sit up as a sort of, uh, a, a sort of sofa and, uh, and a couple of side chairs and a table. Um, it's got in built built-in drawers and. Um, uh, I see what yeah. it is. Yeah, 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 I'll yeah. It and it's amazing, <laughs> and uh, the one we we got was you know lovingly put together by a, a bloke in his workshop in uh, Halifax. Oh, very nice. So we uh, we drove to Halifax on Saturday morning to collect it. And then uh, proceeded to test it out, and we had a, had ourselves a bit of a road trip. Ended up uh, taking a diversion through Nidderdale, mm-hmm. um, and it enjoyed um, a little traipse around the remains of a eighteenth um, century uh, lime kiln. And I'm I'm just going to look at the name of it because I want to get the name of it right. Uh, we also enjoyed. A fantastic bit of public art called the Cold Stones Cut. Okay. Are you familiar with this? Because if you're not, it, it as we talk, it's worth a visit, Matt. Cold Stones Cut. Right. What is it? So it is a. It is basically. Um, a weird, not quite a sculpture, a sort of a folly, I guess you like a sort of modern art folly, um, that's been erected on on uh, a, a hill, overlooking um, Nidderdale, in, in the Yorkshire Dales, and it's uh, it, it's sort of a little bit like a maze, a little bit like a viewing point. It's got little bits of history and, and things. And the amazing thing about it, the way it's been, uh, the where it's been positioned, on one side, you get beautiful rolling dales. 
and on the other side, there's a working quarry. <laughs> um, and the contrast between the two is kind of amazing. And it's got these really high walls. So as you enter it, um, you've got these sort of high, sort of like dry stone walls either side of you, but with like paved streets and bollards. So you so you've got this weird mix of like old and new, basically. And you, you kind of robbed of all sense of place and time. It's um, it was a it was an experience which yeah. I very much enjoyed. I have to go check that out. Yeah, worth a visit, I'd say, listeners, if you're in the area, mm-hmm. if you find yourself in in Nidderdale. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, and being able to just go around, um, check out some some weird public art, and then, you know, just luxuriate in the back of our van. On a, on a surprisingly comfy makeshift sofa uh, with, a, with a cup of coffee from a thermos. I, genuinely, I don't know that there is a way to make me happier. Oh, wow. <laughs> what so, if I told you this week yeah. our pod surpassed 19,000 downloads? That might make you happier. It makes me bewildered more than anything, Matt. The thought that people were quite happily sat there listening to me drone on about the cold stones cut. Like, that's in any way going to enhance anyone's day. Oh, it's just shot past 20,000, David. <laughs> oh, dear. But uh, thank you, as always, listeners. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Um, yeah. And, and what to clarify, journey the been. journey is over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we uh, have you got any jokes for us this week Matt that's what we normally do Um, now isn't it yeah I don't know if I do actually Mm. Um, as you know David I've spent most of uh, most of this week ranking the male cast members of the Married to Who podcast on their attractiveness Oh yes, yeah, that has been a big theme of the week. It's it's been a real time sink for me, so I've missed out <laughs> on a joke this week. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the spreadsheet. You've put a lot of work into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I can I can give you one from Zorbs if you like. I warn you, it's 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 a bleak one again. Oh no! Like, what's wrong with your sub? Like talking to him is like staring at a Lowry painting. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows at the moment? Who knows? Um, but <laughs> sorry, that really tickled me. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll just I'll just come out and say so. So I, I asked him for a joke. And uh, he told me the one about the horse again, yeah. which is his go-to. And I said, little absorb enough. Do you have any jokes that don't involve an animal crossing a road? And he thought for a second and then said yes. So I asked him what it was and he said, uh, why did the man get hurt? <laughs> I said, I don't know. <laughs> why did the man get hurt? And he said, with the biggest grin on his face, 
There's a motorbike hit him. Why? Why? <laughs> Why the obsession with road traffic collisions? I don't know. I don't know. Because, I mean, we live in a very quiet area and um, we... You know he's had he's had no personal experience of uh, of such things. I don't know. He finds it fascinating though. Clearly at the moment. Um, I I think. Um. Next time I see you, David, I'm gonna drop yeah. my Xbox off, and I'm just gonna let him play Grand Theft Auto, and just get it <laughs> all out of his system. Oh, I don't know whether that's the way forward. Um. I you know it. I think he's he's sort of he's um, got enough uh, sort of ideas just from the little bit of slapstick in some of the cartoons he watches. <laughs> I don't know that GTA is the way to go, but yeah. Does he watch a lot um, of like police interceptors or anything like that? <laughs> Traffic. No. Cops. No, but he is. He's ended up on Paw Patrol. Okay. Which is not something my partner and I were were keen to. We never presented it as a as an option to him, but I think it was it was something he discovered at Grandma's house. Right. And for a brief period, we. I'm not a big fan of gaslighting children. I know it's something that parents do an awful lot as a bit of a coping mechanism. Totally understand to each their own. But it kind of, we, we experimented for a couple of weeks with saying, oh, no, Paw Patrol doesn't work at our house. That's just a grandma's house. But we kind of felt a bit guilty just straight up lying to our <laughs> child. So in the end, we had to relent. Um, but, I mean, that is a dreadful show. Have you ever seen Paw Patrol? Oh, I've Matt? seen a lot of it. My nephew used to be uh, somewhat addicted to it. Yeah. It's the it's the poor man's octonauts. Let's not be around the bush. Wow, wow, yeah. Um, but hey ho, um, I, I yeah, I do think that it's it's between Paw Patrol and octonauts. I think it's given him kind of a fascination with peril. Okay. Because they're all shows. Because of course, shows now kids shows nowadays try and avoid violent situations as a means of drumming up drama in a way that the, the sort of the kids shows of the 80s and 90s were rather more lackadaisical about. Yeah. Um, I, 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 your only alternative, if you sort of take away direct conflict, is, uh, you know, peril and rescues. So... You know, every episode of Paw Patrol or Octonauts, it's like, you know, some poor creature in mortal danger being uh, whisked away at the nick of time. Um, and I think maybe maybe the traffic accidents thing stems from that. <laughs> Who knows? Right, well. Maybe I'll come in a balaclava and pretend to break into your house showing what real peril looks like. Please don't. I'm not a violent man, Matt, but I would worry for your safety if you decided to break into a house wearing a balaclava so I couldn't recognise you. No, you'd be in on it. Like, oh, all right. I, I'd tie you up, but not, like, painfully. 
I mean, like, look, Matt, get the money or your dad case, gets Matt, it. <laughs> I, I, can, I can see absolutely no flaws with that yeah. plan. <laughs> Maybe for a part of it, I'll put you in a headlock. <laughs> uh, right, Matt, let's... Let's let's do the A to Z. We've got a we've got a lot to get through this week. Well, you say A to Z, it's going to be the A to S, isn't it? If we stop today. <laughs> oh yes, because this is our last episode, of course. Um, well, at least we got. Are you this sick part. of that joke yet? Um, yes. If I'm being honest, Matt. Right. Okay. I think it's I think it's run its course. You know, I, I think if we've done three and a half years, the least I deserve is your honesty, David. <laughs> Indeed. Right. You best sit comfortably because there's loads this week. Yeah, yeah. There are. Right. Do you want some episodes? Go for it. What about school reunion? Good. Mm, disagree. Satan Pit. Good. Great, I'd say. Smith and Jones. Good. Yeah, it was okay. Sound of Drums. Uh, that's the middle one of those three, isn't it? Yeah, so I'll say uh, decent. Is that the one where the master can blast off like a rocket? No, that's the end of time. Oh. He's I... not gone quite that far at that point. Yeah. It's the... So you've got Utopia, which is the one where he regenerates. Yeah. Then Sound of Drums is the first of that two-parter, and it ends with uh, the Doctor locked up, and I think it's the, the last... The last episode of that is Last of the Time Lords, and that's the one where you've got the Doctor in in Dobby form being magically restored through the power of prayer. Because I, I know I say the Master blasts off um, like a rocket. What yeah. I actually mean is he blasts off like a sea devil, as we'll talk about later. <laughs> oh, we will. We will. Yeah. I had the same thought, Matt. Yeah. What about the Sontaran um, stratagem? <clears throat> it's uh yeah it's okay it's it, it's a decent introduction to the Santarans, i think what about silence in the library good episode yeah i'm with you on that i'm with you on that stolen earth i don't love that two-parter finale as much as a lot of people do I think it it's. I don't like RTD so much when he tries to go big. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's a great use of Davros. What about the Snowmen? Yeah, good. One of my favourite Christmas specials. What about Sleep No More? Uh, swing and a miss. Smile. Good. I can't remember that one at all. Um, it's basically uh, uh, tw- 12 and Bill walking around uh, a weird empty uh, base with the, you know, the little emoji robots. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. Know it. yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Worth a rewatch, I'd say. I mean, it's, it's good because it's 12 and Bill basically. That's what makes it good. What about the first episode we reviewed this year, Spyfall Part 1? 
It's okay. It's okay. What about the second episode we reviewed this year? Spyfall <laughs> Part 2. It's slightly less okay. What about an episode we reviewed about three weeks ago? Survivors of the Flux. Uh, it's alright, but the, the weakest part of Flux, I'd say. Right. Want some aliens? Um, before we do, shall I do the classics? And yeah. we'll, we'll, you know, we can we can wrap wrap that up. So, uh, classic stories we've got to consider: uh, the savages, the seeds of death, the seeds of doom. I can never remember which of those is which. <laughs> one of them's Troughton, one of them's Tom Baker, but don't uh, don't ask me any more than that. Uh, the censorites. The story that never was and then was a thousand times, Sharda. Um, oh, you didn't mention the Shakespeare Code, did you, Matt? Oh, I don't think I did, no. Yeah, yeah. I like it's to block shite. that out of my memory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Silver Nemesis. Um, the Smugglers. Snake Dance. Um, I like the sound of Oh, Snake Dance. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, uh, the Space Museum, uh, the Space Pirates, Spearhead from Space. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah. Uh, State of Decay, the Stones of Blood, personal favourite of mine, the Sunmakers, and of course, Survival, which was the final story of the McCoy era and therefore depending on whether or not you count the TV movie, the final story of the classic era. So, um, there you go. Lots of stories beginning with S there. Lots of directions you could go in. So, for Aliens, I've cut a few out here, David, because there's bloody hundreds yeah. of them. Yeah, we'll just do the big ones. Right. The Saturnine. Oh, from Vampires of Venice. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, yeah, they could they could come back, couldn't they? You could do something else with them. You'd have to do it at an earlier point in their history. Hmm. Or, you know, be like, oh, they thought they were the last, but actually there was this whole other colony of them or or something. Yeah. It is, Doctor it is, Who fair, that. Yeah, because it, it, it is... Regret regrettably, perhaps, one of many stories in the, in the modern era that ends with the genocide of an entire species. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Right. What about Scarecrows? Uh, from Family of Blood? Yep. Yeah. I... Yeah, not really... They're not the real just, villains, are they? So uh, they're just scarecrows. They're just yeah, they're cannon fodder. Right, one we'll talk about a lot today: sea devils. Love them. Uh, last week, David, you know, you said, "Don't you hate it when you get things wrong and it follows you for ages?" Yeah. Right. I think we said that the Rodians were the bad guys in class, and they're not. Right. I'm pretty certain oh, okay. they're the good guys because the bad guys are the shadow kin. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, so... Yeah. You know, it shows how many people I mean, listen, because we've got no complaints <laughs> or no corrections. 
I think it it shows you how many people give two shits about class. It's better than Doctor Who, but only connoisseurs like me know that. Yeah. What about the silence? The silence, yeah. I don't know. A, a great concept absolutely run into the ground. By the time you get to the end of the Matt Smith era, I'm like, I never want to see one of these guys ever again. What about Silurians? Love a Silurian. Now, I wrote these down again because I thought I'd yeah. missed them, but I've just realised I've just written it down twice. What about the Sea Devils? <laughs> yeah, they're good. Yeah. What about the Sisterhood of Khan? Um, yeah, I. I mean, you've got you've got the Sisterhood that that feature in the Brain of Morbius, which you've seen, obviously, yeah. and they're kind of. They're there for that story, and then kind of not a big deal afterwards in that very classic Who way, where mm. you know c- continuity just isn't really a thing. But I kind of, I really like what Moffat did with the Sisterhood of Khan. Like, giving us just enough to make make them feel more significant. Mm. Not that they aren't significant if you take at face value everything you learn about them in The Brain of Morbius. It's just kind of weird that you would have this race that are basically pivotal to Time Lord history and they're mentioned in one story and then never again. But, you know, that's Doctor Who for you, isn't it? What do you think of the Slovene? I don't like them. Okay. I, I, I get that there is a generation of fans at this point who are genuinely nostalgic about the Slovene. But... Uh, you know, they 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 nearly they nearly put me off watching uh, the Eccleston series back in the day. What about the Sontarans? Uh, yeah, I really like the Sontarans. I I think they are probably top of the B tier, aren't they? They're better than those stupid Rutans, aren't they? <laughs> Certainly, if you ask us on Tyrant. What about a star whale? I mean, it, sure. I thought you, we were just doing the, the important ones. Alright. What about the Stenza? <sighs> Missed opportunity. Some people have, have been like, oh, the Stenza are always rubbish. It's like, no, they're. You could do something with them as a concept. Chibnall just chose not to. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know that anyone's going to be rushing to bring the Stenza back at this point. What about the Swarm from my favourite episode? Uh, what, Planet of the Dead? Oh, yes. Shite. Crap CGI stingrays. I think you owe me an apology there. Um, and finally, for me, the Sycorax. Yeah, another one that I'd say is due a comeback. Mm. Kind of surprised that that's one um, Chibnall didn't consider dusting off. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Right, do you want some characters? 
yeah, all right. Have you got any classic aliens I missed before we move on? Nothing that I can be asked to talk about, no. Right, what about Susan Foreman? Uh, I mean, talking about wasted potential, I don't think there's a better example in the history of Doctor Who. What about Stephen Taylor? I like Stephen. He's all right. Have we watched any uh, Stephen stories? I don't think so. No. No. What about Sarah Jane Smith? <sighs> she, th- that this that's the first thing in a while where I've I've really thought you know there's a contender for somewhat uh, for my actual nomination for this week. And then I've only got two more. I've got yeah. Sylvester McCoy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Matt Smith. <sighs> Sarah Jane is suddenly not looking quite so... Uh, quite so... Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, comfortable mm. in her position there, I'd say. Straight um, off the bat, I'm going Matt Smith. Hard to disagree. Uh, before before we uh, uh, we do, I'm going to quickly mention some writers, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, go on. So we've got Eric Sayward, uh, writer and and also script editor for much of uh, the uh, JNT era. Wrote the Visitation, Earthshock, Resurrection of the Daleks, Revelation of the Daleks, and. You know, had a heavy hand in a lot of other bits as well. Uh, Leslie Scott, who wrote The Ark, um, which is, you know, a personal favourite of the Hartnell era. Robert Shearman, only the one TV credit, but widely credited as kind of one of the kings of Big Finish, you know. Hasn't got a massive back catalogue in a way a lot of Big Finish writers do, but pretty much every single story with that he he is credited with is like a fan favorite so very high success rate Derek Sherwin who uh, co-wrote the invasion um, and I believe was also a uh, script editor for a while um, Robert Sloman, who wrote The Time Monster, The Green uh, Death and Planet of the Spiders, all co-writes with Barry Letts. I kind of quite enjoy... <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I enjoy their work together, it must be said. Uh, Andrew Smith is an interesting one. Um, he wrote Full Circle for late period Tom Baker uh, and never came back to Doctor Who. Because when he wrote Full Circle, I think he was the youngest ever writer on Doctor Who. He was, I don't know, 17 or 18, something like that. Which is an incredible feat to get your script produced at that age. And after that, he went on to have a full-time career in the police force. Worked his way quite, quite high up the ranks there. And nowadays he's enjoying a happy retirement and uh, knocking out the occasional big finish script in his spare time. Oh wow! Um, so he's he's kind of if you like, come full circle. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, so I, I, a really interesting story. In some ways, you, you, you could say he was almost the first fan writer for the show. In the way that, you know, every writer of New Who mm-hmm. is kind of writing from the perspective of a fan of the classic series. He was sort of the first to do that, in a way. Um, Dennis Spooner uh, wrote Reign of Terror, The Romans, The Time Meddler, The Daleks Master Plan. Also was a uh, script editor for a while. Anthony Stephen, your favourite classic story writer, I believe, um, gave us the all-time classic The Twin Dilemma. Oh, he's royalty. But, you know, you must be torn between choosing him or Eric Sayward, who, of course, wrote the novelisation of The Twin Dilemma. Yeah. Which you've also greatly enjoyed. Yeah. Just the pair of them. There should be a little Mount Rushmore just with them two on (laughs) The dream team. So a couple more writers. Robert Banks Stewart, who wrote Terror of the Zygons and The Seeds of Doom. Uh, And Bill Strutton, who wrote The Web Planet. Um, You know for good or ill take your pick there um so a lot of writers a lot of interesting writers there uh, covering a really broad swathe of the show's history but none that kind of leap out as oh yeah that guy uh to me so in a rare example of us being on exactly the same page i'm also saying matt smith oh really brilliant doctor and i think you know, it was, I've said before, it was around the time of the 50th anniversary was when I realised just how far gone I was. And I was like, oh no, I'm I'm a proper Doctor Who fan. You know, up until that point, I, I'd sort of assumed I liked it about as much as most other people. Mm-hmm. And it was the 50th where I realised, oh no, I... I, I I like this more than most people do, don't now, I? Now that I've watched all of New Who, yeah. am I a yeah. Doctor Who fan? That is maybe something we should address next week, Matt. But we're not here next week. This is our last ever episode. <laughs> all right, then. If you want to do it right here and right now, sure. Are you a Doctor Who fan, Matt? No. All right. Um, Moving yeah. on. Great. <laughs> Well, I tried. You can't say I didn't try. If you were a Doctor Who fan, would Matt Smith be your favourite Doctor? Um, I, I've changed my mind on that. For a long yeah. time, yes. I think I think Capaldi probably is, but Matt Smith's era is my favourite. Right, so you enjoy the stories more of the Matt Smith era. Yeah, we were talking about this this week. Uh, yeah. The boys from the, not the Cloister Bell, Who Can Convince You? We're asking yeah. about Matt Smith, and I, I, it was just good fun. Yeah, it's I, 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 I'm firmly of the opinion that I think of all the new Who doctors, Matt Smith was the most adept at taking a mediocre or problematic script, and just spinning it into something wonderful, on the strength of his performance alone. You know, I'm thinking about episodes like The Power of Three or, um, uh, oh, like Cold Cold War. You know, episodes like that that just, like, 
this it could have been boring, it could have been underwhelming, but there is something about his performance where he just brings such dynamism and energy to the screen that you can't help but be swept along by it. So yeah, it's it's Matt Smith for me, definitely. I, I just like a lot of his stories aren't let's go blasting around the universe. It's like, oh, mm. I'm sat at home having a cup of tea and something's just interrupted it. You know what I mean? It's like grounded yeah. more yeah. than others. And I think, you know, Rory and Amy are, are key to that in a way. There's something about having a couple in the TARDIS that gives you gives you something to root for because obviously the kind of the, the you know the thing with with uh with couples is ultimately what they tend to do is kind of settle down together so there's that tension isn't there of like sooner or later they're going to have to settle down mm. and this is all going to end so so there's something pulling them back um, I don't know whether I'm making any sense or not, but like I, I said, so you compare that to someone like Rose, where it's just she decides she's going to just tag along with the Doctor, and then that's it. She's kind of like cut loose from our plane of existence at that point. Yeah. In a way that um, I feel like the ponds kind of weren't. So um, here's a question to wrap up yeah. the A to Z this week, David. Yeah. We have matched on Matt Smith. Mm. Can you think of any other instances where we have matched in the A to Z? Oh, I think if we did, it would have been another Doctor. I'm going to say maybe Pertwee. Uh, I went for Bill Potts when you went for Pertwee. Oh, did you? Right, okay. I can't then. I can't think what else it would be. Uh, that's good, because we didn't. Uh, the closest we've come is, I said the Judoon, and you specified your Judoon mug. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. And then one week you said K9, and I said K9 and company. Yeah. Did, did, I, did I mention on pod that about a week after that episode, I broke my Judoon mug? Oh, I don't think you did. No, I think I was genuinely too cut up about it to mention it at the time. Oh, it fell out of the cupboard. Oh, that's like... It's fitting that we send it off in our last ever episode. Yeah, I kind of felt that at the time. I was like, well, at least... I mean, as Jadoon mugs go, it's got to be one of the most celebrated and beloved. Oh, David, so I'm going... It on, had a good innings. I'm going on eBay, just... We did a bit of eBay in last week. Let's have a look. Jadoon mug. Um, oh, there's quite a few. There's quite a few. Different designs. Yeah, but I, weirdly, I know what yours looks like. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think yours is there. I'm going to have to have a look here. Right. I can save that for off pod. I'm sure that's very boring for any <laughs> listeners. Um, well then Matt uh, we've got one other bit of business to attend to Mm -hmm. before the main event and that is the small matter of uh, have I got who's for you 
No. Oh, yeah, that is right. Yes, thank I, you. I, I thought you were going to say, <laughs> would I lie to who? I was about to interrupt it, but you always get this wrong, but you've got it right. Well done. <laughs> right then, uh, I'm just going to boot up. I apologise for jumping in. That's quite all right. So I'm just booting up searchwise.net. Cue the music if you are indeed still doing that. Oh yes, every week. Because uh, as as I've made abundantly clear before, I do not listen to the edits. No. Uh, did you know that a couple of weeks ago when you said, oh Matt, can we stop recording? I'm going to the toilet. Um, yeah. Please don't put this in. Please edit this out. I left all that in. And then, do you remember... When we started doing the Martin McLean Hall of Fame. Do you remember yeah. Martin McLean Hall of Famer Jessica Wummel? And I couldn't I, I couldn't find a song of a man singing her name. Oh, except, yeah, yeah. Except the Pee and Poo song. Well, yeah. there's a beautiful Pee and Poo song called David Poo Poo Poo. So, <laughs> it, it, well, there we go. You're uh, in a very, I hope you enjoyed... You're in a very elite club <laughs> in terms of... <laughs> Listeners of our podcast associated with going to the toilet. I Except, of course, am... you're not a listener of our podcast. You hate it. <laughs> Indeed. Right, okay. So, uh, searchwise.net is doing something new that I don't think it's done before, where it's, it's clustered a few different things together. So, there's a, there's a subheading with a few different links... Uh, covering uh, Shooty Gatwa as the new Doctor. Um, we've got some a, a section entitled News about Jodie Whittaker, um, which, to be honest, I think is you know personal news that frankly doesn't need to be uh, being uh, trotted out by the tabloids. But there you go. Um, equally mundane, we've got. We've got multiple links for Richard Osman confirms engagements to Ingrid Oliver. Oh, good on her. I mean, yeah, congratulations to them both, but not... I give her a hard time. It's not news, I, I, is it? I hope they have a happy engagement. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or... <laughs> this is a shame. I didn't know this. Digital Spy... Uh, Doctor Who live show closing three months earlier than planned. Oh. Uh, that's a bit of a shame. A isn't it? Yeah, it's this. Um, it's a uh, what do you call it? Interactive theatre event thing called. Uh, oh, I don't know. Time time fracture. I think it is. Okay. Which uh, looked interesting, but. You know, I, I have neither the, the, the time nor, nor the, the requisite pounds to be uh, going for a jaunt to oh, London I just you were to see say it. I've got neither the time nor the space. <laughs> um, uh, the Guardian have gone with Hanky Panky in the TARDIS. How a writer's divisive Doctor Who movie spent 25 years. Dot, 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 got to click on that to get to the rest. I think that's to do with the writer of the TV movie who has been working on a documentary about his relationship with the show. 
we've got uh, Screen Rant. Edgar Wright's Doctor Who would fix a 20-year-old missed opportunity. Would it? What would that be? If it's I don't 20 know. years old, that'd yeah. be like 1992. No, 2002. 2002. Yeah. Isn't it bad that I still think we're like in our 20s, David? <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, Wales Online have gone with when Doctor Who stars met fans around Wales. Yeah, we can go for that one. Yeah, you like the sound of that? Let's give it a butcher's. Uh, right then. Since making its comeback in 2005, Doctor Who has very much been rooted in Wales, with the BBC series being filmed on location here. But Welsh fans have enjoyed meeting the Time Lord in all his guises in decades gone by, with visits by everyone from Colin Baker till Sylvester McCoy. Wow, so, well, that's a real range. <laughs> isn't it? Here we take a look back uh, to occasions when Welsh fans of the Doctor got to meet him here in Wales, including the most recent Doctors during their breaks in filming. And with the news that, um, I mean, it, we, it's common knowledge, right? There's been official press releases and stuff. Apologies for anyone. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you are trying to avoid spoilers for uh, 60th anniversary stuff. Um with the news that David Tennant and Catherine Tate have been seen filming in and around London for the 60th special, chances are that we might get to see some filming in Wales sooner rather than later. So what we have following this is a lovely little photo gallery. So I'm going to send you the link to it, Matt, so you can pop a link in the uh, description for our listeners. OK, yeah. We've got Tom Baker besieged by autograph hunters in the playground of Maestig Comprehensive School in 1977. There are flipping loads of them there. <laughs> Sylvester McCoy and Bonnie Langford as Mel, seen here filming at the Majestic Holiday Camp on Barry Island uh, for Doc Delta and the Bannermen. And they're, they're sat on a little statue of a bear there, having a grand old time. Um, Colin, uh, Colin Baker and Lisa Jenkins of Neath with a time capsule before it was buried in the foundations of South Glamorgan's new county library in Cardiff. The Doctor's assistant was 11-year-old Lisa Jenkins, who won a competition organised by BBC's Welsh Language Children's Programme. I am not going to attempt to pronounce that. B oh, I, well, I, I am, apparently. Uh, Billy Oduakar? Who knows? Okay. There he is. Just uh, Colin Baker and a child... Squatting next to some scaffolding with a time capsule. Uh, oh, another one of Colin here. Uh, two Cardiff youngsters found out who's who when they met up with actor Colin Baker, who played Doctor Who in 1986. He signed autographs for fans of the BBC show when he turned up at Thlantrissant's Homeworld store, but by car instead of Hatardis. So, just doing a signing at a DIY store yeah. by the looks of it. What a glamorous life it Lassie. was to be Doctor Who in, in the mid-80s. Um, 
and more recently we've got a bit Capaldi there we've got more Tom Baker it's a real mixed bag this uh, this gallery I won't go through them all but um, if you're interested in looking at those um, we will include a link I always quite like these kinds of photos the doctor out and about with her, especially the ones from the from the sort of from the classic era mm. When it's just, you know, excited school kids mobbing Tom Baker and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's rather sweet, I think. Um, all right then, Matt. We've dilly-dallied long enough, haven't we? Here we go. Let's do it. Legend of the Sea Devils. Yeah. Would you like some listener tweets? Well, Matt, it's our last ever episode, so it's a special treat. Should we just not bother? I mean, we could do. <laughs> I jest. Who have we got this week? Uh, we've got all sorts. We've got all sorts. Hold on. Uh, right. We will start with a message from Harry from the Who Can Convince You pod. Say hello, David. Hello, Harry. Who says, I'm just adding a tweet so Matt has to read it. I know he hates him. Uh, <laughs> then a little question here. David, do you like tomato? Oh, um, is he asking about the uh, the fruit slash vegetable? Or is he ask, is it spelled T-O-R-M-A-T-O? Yeah, it's tomato. Tomato. So that's the, yes, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of tomato. Um, he, even I even like Rick Wakeman's weird janky keyboard sounds he's using on that album. Oh, this isn't this isn't like covert prog rock talk, is it? It very much is. Uh, what do you prefer, little cherry tomatoes or big beef eaters? Oh, I, I much prefer a cherry tomato. Yeah, beef eaters are a waste yeah. of time. Yeah. Uh, then we get a message from Mark from the All of Time and Space podcast. Hello, Mark. Who says, I'm just wondering what David's favourite flavour of pot noodle is. Uh, the Cloyster Bell, assume you are a Bombay bad boy, David. Uh, I probably would be, but the, <laughs> the, the unpleasant answer is that instant noodles really play merry havoc with my, dig my digestive system, so I can't eat them. That's yeah, a, I'm a classic. classic you, you can, you can pop, you can pop the song in again this week if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to, just to hammer the point home. Drive that in there. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can't. I, I, yeah, I've, I, I've, I, I can't, I can't, I can't stomach the things. So, yeah. Right. In principle, I'd definitely be going for something spicy. Right. Uh, then we got a message from the Married to Who podcast. Say hello, David. Hello, married to who? Uh, they're a week behind. They've said S in the A to Z is for Rod Henderson. Ah. Yeah, little good, little good. behind the times there. Yeah. Good one, though. Right. Well, now now's a good time. I'm going to definitively rank the men from Married to Who based on their attractiveness. Go for it. Jake is in fourth. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. <laughs> uh, he tried. Then in third place, I'm putting Terry, who I thought would be number one. But I'm sorry. Gosh. Then I'm going to put Alex. Yeah. And then 
distantly in first place, I'm going to put Cody. He's the most beautiful man I've ever seen. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go, Married to Who. Yeah. yeah, if you listen to their show and you don't know what he looks like, he looks like Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Well, that, that doesn't really help me a great deal, but uh, sure, I'll take your word for it. Right. Next up, we've got Martin McLean, Hall of Famer. David, say hello to Sonia. Hi, Sonia. Uh, Sonia says, I was excited for it. It was the first episode of Who I've watched right after its broadcast. It's beautiful. Oh, nice. I loved the costumes and enjoyed the performances. It did feel a bit underwhelming, but it was pleasant enough. Uh, she said her second place for the A to Z is the Silurians. And her mm. first place, she's put herself, David. She's gone S's for Sonia. <laughs> sure. Oh. Definitely a contender. Mm. Uh, then we have a message from Ian Morgan, who says, I think we'll do this when we do our review, in fairness. He just says, mm. explain where the setup with the net came from. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly something that, that ought to be addressed. And then for S this week, Ian says S is for Sonia. Mm. That's kind of it. Yes, indeed. Right, do you want to say hello to James Courtney, David? Always. Hello, James. Now, I've got some big James Courtney news this week, David. Oh, I'm all ears. Okay. Now, I don't normally do this, okay, but James Courtney is starting a podcast. Oh, is he? He is. Now, in the early days of our pod, I think a listener sent me a link saying, oh, would you mind giving this a listen and chatting us out? And it, uh, it, uh, I didn't in the end, David, it upset me, <laughs> okay? But James Courtney, I trust, I trust with my life. So he says, this week, S is for Sarah Jane, We Need You, his new podcast. Ah, oh, nice. Okay. Do we have a premise? Uh, it's mostly about the Sarah Jane adventures, but they're going to start with School Reunion. Oh, nice. Well, I'm definitely going to be giving that a listen um, for reasons we maybe get, we'll get into next week. Well, he also said, would you and David mind appearing on the show? And I just said, you can't even afford our agent fees. <laughs> uh, it's a distinct possibility. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I've, I've missed... Now I've read that message, I've sort of pressed something. Hold on. Right. James says, midway through Series 12, the Monster Costume Team, Millennium FX that's been on the show since 2005 left. The costume department then took over that job. Since Millennium FX left, we haven't had any animatronic masks. And I bring this up for no reason in particular. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to say any more than that, do we? <laughs> um, and, then, and then he says S is for Rod Gilbert. And I think that's a joke because we said Rod Henderson last week. So I'm going to mm. change that and say James says S is for Sonia. She's popular Excellent. this week, isn't she? She is, yeah. Yeah. Right. 
then we have a tweet from Nobody Really, who says, For S, I can get behind Smith, uh, but also Slavine. And I also forgot about the Sonic Screwdriver. We both forgot about the Sonic Screwdriver. Mm. Gosh. But then... Mm. Not says, quite enough to topple Matt Smith, but I should have been considering that. That was a contender. All right. Yep. Then they say, on top of this, my vote for S is for Sonia. Ah, excellent. Do you like this joke, David, or should I stop it now? Well, it's happening, isn't it? I can't yeah. stop you. Yeah. Okay. The Cloister Bell say, I wouldn't say it was bad, but the Sea Devils is one of my favourites, and I really think they needed a redeeming story after Warriors of the Deep. Mm-hmm. Sadly, this story didn't represent them as good as I'd hoped. And then they say S is for Scalioni's Angle. I cannot remember what that is a reference to. It's okay. We'll just change it and say S is for Sonia. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Problem right. solved. Right. Uh, then we have a message from Ariel. Say hello, David. Hi, Ariel. Who says, I thought it was a fun time, a little rushed in parts, but I enjoyed the story and learning more about that history. I'm not sure I like how they're handling the Doctor and Yaz's storyline, though, and I have major concerns for the next episode. Oh, mm-hmm. and S is for Smith. Matt Smith, John Smith, Sarah Jane Smith. Mm. That's, a, that's a way to do it, isn't it? Mm. Just all the Smiths. Yeah, I don't think that's Sonia's surname, though. So, we'll just say S is for Sonia. Right, a message from Jake himself, from the Married to Hoove co- uh, podcast, who says, S is for the Sensorites. Episode 1 has the single greatest cliffhanger in all of Doctor Who. Mm. It is a good one. It is a good one, for sure. Right, we've got three more tweets to go, David. Okie dokie. And then, I'm going to make this clear, David, we're going to have a little break, because I'm going to go put the kettle on and make a hot lemon, because I'm full of cold. I shall not be visiting the toilet. (laughs) Righty-ho. Okay. Uh, The next message comes from James Swifty Swift. Hi, James. Who says, I was incredibly excited for this episode, and it didn't disappoint. I worry a rewatch might make me worry about how little actually happened in it, though. But from memory, (laughs) this was a fun episode, and probably my favourite Sea Devil story. James, my word of advice, hold on to those memories wholeheartedly. Yeah. And then he says... It's not going to stand up to a second watch. Then he says, S is for Swifty Swift, not Sonya. Cheeky. And then he's put, the rebellion will be televised. Like... (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Right. Who do you want next, David? You can have BT Flibbity Giggard or Who Can Convince You. Oh, let's hear from uh, Who Can Convince You. Right. I'll I'll warn you, these are two incredibly negative tweets. Mm, I thought they might be. Okay. Who Can Convince You? Oh dear, may God have mercy watching it felt like. What I imagine it's like for Matt to listen to tales from topographic oceans. (laughs) Right. Because I don't know anything about prog rock, stop putting covert prog rock references in our podcast. (laughs) How do you know that it's even prog rock? Well, because you laughed 
that laugh you always do where you know something I don't. <laughs> right? Yes, I do like tomatoes. I had tomato soup for my tea. <laughs> right. Oh Boredom set in early in this one for me, unfortunately, and left a bad taste in my mouth for the future of Doctor Who. S is for Seeds of Death. Well, yeah, good story. As is Seeds of Doom. I think they're both good, but I can't remember which one's which. Right. Last one. BT Flippity yep. Giggard. Say hello, David. Hello. Oh, hang on. No, sorry. I got distracted by my phone buzzing there. Uh, let's have another take of that. Greetings, curator. You can keep that in if you like, Matt. <laughs> you know I will. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Greetings, curator. How do you do? Please tell us your thoughts about this episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> right, BT says, a poorly directed, plot-heavy, but somehow plotless mess. Madame Ching has nothing to do, then gets shoved aside in favour of a fictional man. The Doctor gets mad at Jin Ha for killing one sea devil then tells Dan to go book wild, and the Thasmin plot spins its wheels. This is pointless. S is for Sensorites, a.k.a. the most important episode for the Doctor Who formula in the history of the show. Ooh, interesting uh, theory there. Ah, that is a hot take. Yeah, I, I would I would, I would, be very interested to dig into that Sensorites uh uh thing there but but uh sadly no time on this particular episode um right then matt Hello. it only remains for me to ask you for the last time until october what you thought of an episode of new who how are you rating this let's do the old the old ranking system right let's bring it back david I'm going to give you that answer after I've made a quick drink. Righty-ho. Give me all of two minutes because I can feel my throat's getting croaky. Yeah. I'm a little bit snotty. I'm going to have a hot lemon. Good luck. Go for it. If I go and you talk about prog rock, this will be the last <laughs> episode of our pod. <laughs> I'll be a good boy. Right. I'll be two minutes tops. Righty-ho. Well then, uh, how, how's, how's your hot lemon? Uh, it's hot and it's lemony. Oh, lovely. Just yep. the job. All right then. Um, more importantly, Legend of the Sea Devils, Matt. Good yep. episode? Bad episode? Uh, bad episode, I'm going to go with. Yeah, <laughs> it's not great, is it? It's um, so dull. Yeah. yeah. How, how can... How can an episode where everyone's dotting about, doing this, that and the other, have such, so little happen in it? It's baffling to me. Um, I mean, I've, I've gone on record before about saying that, that one of the one of my least favourite, if not my least favourite episode of New Who is uh, Curse of the Black Spot, because it 
commits the cardinal sin of making pirates boring. This was New Who's second attempt to do a fun pirate story. Mm. And they've again completely failed. Completely failed to make pirates interesting and entertaining. Um, which is um, astonishing. On top of that, obviously, I'm a big fan of the Sea Devils. Um, uh, I, I was really looking forward to seeing uh, what happens here. Uh, because, honestly, Matt, I don't know that I have ever been more disappointed by, a, by an episode of Doctor Who. I honestly don't think I have. Because... And maybe I was a victim of my own hype to an extent. But my, my reasoning was this. Regardless of the fact that there are... Obviously, there are weaknesses of the Chibnall era. But two things that I think the Chibnall era has been very strong on, potentially the strongest of any era of New Who, were one, historicals, and two, uh, classic monsters returning. I don't think anyone's done better work with the Sontarans in Yoohoo. Um, uh, they've, you know, the Chimalera has done done great things with, um, you know, interesting things with the Cybermen. Uh, I think he's written the best. Uh, Chimal has written the best Dalek stories of any of the New Who writers. Um, so I was really excited to see what he would do with the Sea Devils. And adding to the fact that we were doing a historical story, we were doing uh, Chinese pirates. I was like, this is, this has got to be a formula for success. Um, but the end result is stultifyingly mediocre. Yeah, like that's a, that's um, a, the best way to put it. It's just. I don't know. Is it mediocre or is it just bad? I, well, I don't know. Uh, Rumours abound that it was intended to be an hour long and it was cut to ribbons in the editing suite. Right. Um, it could be a long time before we know what was cut and why. So one wonders if Part of the reason it doesn't work is because it's missing a quarter of its runtime. But even then, it's hard to imagine a, a longer version of this story that somehow fills in all the gaps to the extent that it becomes satisfying. I, I'd love to be in that writer's room meeting. Yeah. It's like, what, what are we going to cut? What are we going to cut? And just on the whiteboard, they've got two options. Option one is Sea Devil jumping 300 feet in the air to land on a pirate ship. <laughs> and option two just says coherent plot. And they're just like, hmm. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some weird ideas going on here. And I think uh, as well, it's worth keeping in mind my understanding is that the episode we're now going to be getting for the centenary, I believe was originally planned to be in this Easter slot. And at a certain point, the BBC basically said to, to Chibnall, 
hey, look, can you do us one more? We'd like to do Jodie Whittaker's Regeneration as, you know, to tie in with the centenary. So we'll need something to tide us over. So I imagine what we had here was this was one of the concepts originally intended for a series 13 that was more in line with, say, series 12 with more standalone stories. Yeah. And we, they were like, hey, let's do sea devils and Chinese pirates. That'll be fun. And in the context of a series like that, maybe we would it would be less jarring. But what we have, we, we talked recently about what, you know, what is the least special Doctor Who special? I think there's no argument at this point. It's this. Oh, God, yeah. It yeah. is. I mean, it's it's forty five minutes, so frankly, it's under length for a for a Chip Lyra <laughs> story. Just um, everything's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't say quite everything, because when we get to it, the Phasmin stuff, I am in the camp that thinks it's, you know, I th- I think it 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 does enough there, for now. Mm-hmm to tide us over to the to, to the finale and um I like the direction of it and and uh, I mean as as has become very common, you know, Whitaker and and, uh, and Mandit Gill are acting their socks off, so fair play. Ah uh, but I mean all the rest of it, if it's slim pickings, it really is. And that and as someone who desperately wanted this this episode to be good because you know i'm not someone who who is rooting against the chibnall era chibnall has repeatedly delivered doctor who stories that i've really enjoyed so i always go into his episodes hoping for the best um but this one it does it just it it doesn't deliver the goods no i I don't know what exactly about it didn't click with me, but I was glad when it was over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's just it's got problems. It's got problems. Mm-hmm. Um, right, let's let's rattle through the threadbare, incoherent plot and be on our way back, possibly forever. Right. <laughs> um... God, imagine if we really did bow out on this one. Well, we are. <laughs> right. Uh, I can't even read my writing. This is written by Ellen Rand. Uh, Road, I think. Road. Okay. And Chris Chibnall. Yeah. I've put the word written in inverted commas. And <laughs> it's directed by, and I'm going to massacre this name. Is it Haolu Wang? Haolu yeah. Wang? Uh, possibly your guess is as good as mine. I don't think I've heard it said aloud yet. So, right. So from the seventeenth of April, two thousand twenty-two. Yeah, literally just like just over a month ago. Mm. Right. We're in eighteen oh seven China. It's raining. Everyone yeah. hides as a woman comes for a statue, unaware of what she will release. There's a family who have a duty to guard the statue, and the statue is of a sea devil. Yeah. Now the lady hacks it open using the magical power of appalling CGI. (laughs) 
Yeah. A man draws a sword to stop this lady opening the statue, but before he can stop her, a sea devil kills him. Womp womp. Yeah. I mean, I, I was hooked in at this point, David. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, let, before we go any further, what do you reckon to the sea, sea devil design? They're absolutely crap, David, and I hate them. It's very faithful to the original. Um, possibly to a fault. Mm. Personally, I think they look beautiful. Um, but that's because I really love the original story and I love that vibe. and So that doesn't bother me. So what I will say is, in still images, I think it looks great. But as I think we will soon establish, it has some issues when it we're actually seeing it in context of the story. Mm-hmm. Right. So then the TARDIS appears. Yeah. The Doctor scans and they're four centuries off where they want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan is a pirate. Yes. Yeah, so um, uh, Yaz played a funny trick on him and said, "You know, we're going. We, you know, we're going to find this this lost treasure, and uh, so you should probably wear some pirate clothes and uh, put him in a funny pirate costume." Ha ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. And there was much rejoicing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, then the Doctor's earring is pulled. And yeah. so is a skimmed stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some sort of gravity something, I don't know, that's yeah. pulling everything. Uh, but before they can investigate, they hear screaming because the sea devils are killing everyone. Yeah. So Those, those cheeky sea devils. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what scabs. Um, except... I, I don't know what the sea devils are all about. They go around killing everyone, but they're not like mindless. Like, no. I, don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. The sea devils, they, they shouldn't be this hard. They are wet Silurians. Well, yeah. That that is it. It's not any more complicated than that. But this episode contrives as much as possible to make it com- more complicated than that. Right. So the Doctor confronts it, and it says, where is it? Mm. And whilst it says that, Yaz and Dan catch it in a net. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Like, where and why? <laughs> <laughs> they just do. It's all right, that's though. the thing. It's like it's not that sort of stuff. The thing is, that kind of stuff is so easy to overlook when it's a good, well-told story. Mm. But this isn't. So you are no. just because you because you've got nothing else to chew on at the end of it. You haven't got some big themes or some amazing character moments or a great action set piece or something to be thinking about. You are left just being like. Where did that net come from? <laughs> yeah. It's the first of re- it's... many really silly bits. Where yeah. 
you just have to like oh, oh come on like <laughs> yeah. for example the appearance of a flying pirate ship yeah i mean a cool concept but they do nothing with it it's like it just if if that if that ship had just been floating on the water would it have changed the story one iota no no. The answer is no, so why are we spending money CGIing it so it's flying around if we're not going to do anything cool with that? If, you, if you've if got a flying pirate ship, what you do is you take it off the water and you have it flying over land because that's something you don't see pirate ships do, and that's cool and interesting. Mm. But that didn't happen here. But also, if the pirate ship didn't fly, we'd be denied... The jump. The highlight of this episode. Are we even there yet? That's where we're at, yeah. Oh, great. Okay, yeah. Who knew that Sea Devils could uh, could jump like that? Hey, what? What the hell is that all about, David? (laughs) I I genuinely think it must be a case that that was because they're kind of papering over cracks. They've taken out a whole chunk of this episode... And they needed that Sea Devil to somehow get from A to B. So they were like, we're just going to have to CGI it jumping like fucking Superman. Yeah. I was half expecting it to come up like Poochie, where it goes, the Sea Devil died (laughs) on the way back to his home planet. (laughs) Yeah, it is just... Yeah, that... That sort of thing challenges me. (laughs) Right. So, the lady pirate from earlier speaks to Ying Ki, the son of the man that was killed. She is Madame Ching. She's looking for the lost treasure of the Flor del Mar. Yeah. Okay. Which which you may have forgotten, but they do mention at the end of Eve of the Daleks that uh, the Doctor's like, oh, I always wondered what happened with that. And so that was their mission as well, coming into this. Right, but okay. this episode does a very poor job of establishing that. So, the freed sea devil rallies the troops on his flying pirate ship. Yep. And a fisherman is attacked by a big fish. We've yeah. got a big fish, David. We're going out on a high. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So, Dan then talks to Yinky. Yeah. And talks him into boarding Madame Ching's ship. Uh, whilst that's happening, the Doctor explains everything you need to know about the Sea Devils to Yaz. Mm-hmm. So Which the... isn't a lot. No. No. Uh, the Doctor and Yaz want to find out what happened to the treasure, so they hop in the TARDIS and go back a couple of centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan and Yinki make it to the ship where Ching captures them and immediately strings them all up. Yeah. And they notice she has no crew. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the sensible thing to do with COVID regulations, right? Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it would be an absolute uh, super spreader event if you had a fully crewed ship. Right. I can't even see where I'm up to. Right. Um... So the Doctor and Yaz have gone back nearly 300 years to 1533 
They yeah. meet Ji-Hun, who is tackling a mutiny on his ship. He's throwing people overboard. Mm-hmm. And when a sea devil appears, Ji-Hun worships him. However, it betrays him. Oh, no. Who could have ever seen that coming? Uh, so the Doctor and Yaz now have the location of the treasure as Ji-Hun's ship begins to sink. So they go forward in time again to... 1807. Mm-hmm. They go to the bottom of the ocean, directly below where Ji Hun's ship was, to catch the treasure. I like this scene. I think it's the best scene of the episode. Yeah, I like it, where everything, the adventure kind of takes off, and the Doctor says, well, I'm not a bad date, am I? Yeah, yeah. And we finally get a, a you know... A bit of a moment, like even if the characters aren't addressing it, the show is head on addressing it mm. and doing it in a way that doesn't feel like it's whacking you over the head. And also, I love moments where we really get that sense that the TARDIS can go anywhere and show you anything. And because it's, you know, it, one of the essential propositions of Doctor Who you know, it's it, both in and out of universe is come along and you'll see things you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it will be an incredible journey. And sometimes you you get that, but then you watch the episodes and you get rather bogged down with, with like, oh, we're, you know, we're in a miserable, uh, you know, smog-infested Industrial Revolution Street and there's an alien murdering people again. Yay! And it's like, you you kind of wonder, why do the companions actually stick with the, with the Doctor when it's just horror after horror? Um, so it's, it's nice to see them, you know, experiencing some genuine wonder, you know, on the ocean floor there. Yeah. So whilst they're uh, down and, there, on the ocean yes. floor... They find out that Ji-Hun's ship is missing mm-hmm. and the ocean floor itself collapses. Yeah, not ideal. No. Um, the big fish reappears and bites the TARDIS. Yeah. It's always good to Why see is big... that big fish there? Uh, again, I think it's a plot contrivance. It's convenient, yeah. isn't it? It surely is. Right. Um... Madam Ching's compass breaks when she's trying to navigate. So mm-hmm. she uses the stars until the stars all move. Yeah. Uh, we find out that her crew are missing because they were taken hostage. She wants the treasure in order to save them, including her two sons, aged three and six. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, fair, fair enough. Decent motivation. Um. I forget where we are at it at this point, but yeah, um, the chap's name. What's his name again? Uh, Yinky. Y- yeah. Um, do you remember how he like wanted vengeance on Madame Ching for his father's death? Yeah, he's soon given up on that, hasn't he? He. It, this is about the point of the episode where he just seems to completely forget about that. Mm. Um, I mean, I'd forget it because the big fish is back. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, they shoot some cannonballs at it, but it just catches yeah. them and spits them back. Mm. Uh, so, whilst that's happening, the Doctor and Yaz confront the Sea Devil. 
and ask why it was in the statue in the beginning. Yeah. And it wants the keystone. Yeah. If ever that... there was a generic name for a MacGuffin. <sighs> yeah. It's it's not great. It's not great. And we haven't really ta- addressed yet, but we should probably do it here, that, like, what you've got with the Sea Devils is th- the masks themselves are static and they've attempted to CGI a bit of facial movement into them. So they blink occasionally and the mouths sort of sort of waggle a bit but don't really move. Honestly, I would have preferred it if they'd just gone full classic Who and just had the actor speaking the lines in the mask and the mask itself just stares blankly and motionless. I honestly think that would have been better than the weird half-arsed mouth movements that we see because they don't like sync up properly to the dialogue at all no it's, it's just kind of yeah. fair isn't it yeah i i i find I, I i find it genuinely distracting it takes me out of the episode rather than enhancing it which is the the exact opposite of what a special effect should be doing so uh yeah yeah not anyway right. yeah Sorry, I really am going to try and, and, and when I have positive things to say, I am going to say them because I am aware that otherwise this is going to come ac- like across like I'm just moaning, which I don't like to do. So, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, once the keystone. We find out that Jihun's ship from the past is now the Flying Sea Devil ship. Yeah. And they use it simply as a sign to instill fear. Uh, and then it takes them on a little tour of the ship. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Where they have Ji-hun trapped in stasis. Mm-hmm. So has he been there for nearly 300 years? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he made his men jump off the side of the ship to escape, because uh, otherwise the sea devil would have killed them. And yep. he also asks about the keystone. Yeah. Which Everybody is wants ch- this flipping keystone, eh? Yeah, well, it's a gemstone capable of magic. But actually, it's just sea devil technology. Right, yeah. And just as you get all this, uh, the sea devils just say, oh, we found it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, where's the keystone? Oh, I've had it all along. Yeah, you know what? I, I could have sworn I'd check these trousers, but I must have, <laughs> must have missed them. Um. So, yeah, the Doctor and Yaz escape and land back with Dan, uh, Ying Chi, uh, sorry, Ying Ki and Madame Ching. Right, uh, yeah. Ji Hun tells Ching about the keystone and it turns out that Ying Ki is a descendant of Ji Hun's best man who escaped his ship with it. Sure. Um... But then a sea devil just appears out of nowhere and takes it. Yeah. That's another bit where suddenly the sea devils can just magically smoke around. Yeah. One wonders why they need to be able to leap magically from, you know, enormous distances if they can also just teleport if they want to. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. I've Are you just... ready for some science that makes no sense? Yeah, great. Go hit me with it. Uh, the sea devils want to reverse the magnetic poles. Yeah. They think this will melt the ice caps. That's got nothing to do with it. No. Earth's magnetic poles, like, flip and reverse, like, all the time. Yeah. Like, not all the time, but every, you know, 10,000 years or so. Mm-hmm. Also, the ice caps are based on the Earth's axis, which bit yeah. of the Earth is closer or further away from the sun. Uh, but if they melt the ice caps, it will flood the Earth. Uh, you know, that will get rid of the land. The sea devil's domain will be bigger, and they can just do whatever they want. So dumb. Okay. So dumb. Like, I, I, even for Doctor Who, like, it, it, it feels like someone skimmed an article in the new scientist completely failed to understand it and thought yeah that'll do yeah yeah it just makes no sense yeah uh so the doctor sword fights a sea devil and then dan just kicks one to death (laughs) yeah sure Uh, I mean, Dan's body count in this episode. <laughs> it's something else. I think he must yeah. have... it for, Just from... from Oh, this and I guess if you count um, Flux as well, he he racks up a few Sontarans in uh, War of the Sontarans. So yeah, he's a madman. He must, he must he's have one of the hi- highest body counts of any Doctor Who companion. <laughs> right. Then... Although that's okay, when Dan literally kicks one to death, yeah, uh, yeah. G Hun kills a sea devil, but the Doctor ain't happy about it. Oh God, here we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he gets a little ticking off, doesn't he? Mm. But yeah. yeah, I think the Doctor's scared of Dan, afraid to like <laughs> confront his murderous ways. <laughs> Potentially. Right then, Yaz and Dan have a chat. Yes. They yeah. have the chat. The chat. Mm. You know, about how, yeah. the, how the Doctor just doesn't acknowledge it. He yeah. says, you know, I don't know. I can't do it. I can't. But Dan seems to be the only one, you know, that thinks anything should happen. Yeah. yeah. And this is, this is nice enough, but I feel like we kind of did this last week. Oh, well, last episode, certainly. I guess it's, it was technically a few weeks between. But it's like, I don't feel like that scene really moves anything on at all. Yeah, I think more than anything, it's maybe because there was a gap between the episodes. It is near enough verbatim the same chat. Yeah. Just to keep it fresh in the audience's mind. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, but then the Doctor appears and says, Yaz, you need to come with me. So Dan and Ji-Hun stand their ground against the Sea Devils. Uh, yeah. Dan uses the magic Sea Devil sword. Um, that just kills them all in one go. Uh, I mean, technically he does He does a, a sort of, a, a, you know, a swipe to the left and a swipe to the right. But, but still, he fells like five Sea Devils. And, yeah, but... And, it, it feels like, at times, like you say, they've chopped and put footage together. Because yeah. sometimes it was like really close-up footage of the Sea Devils. Mm. And then it was just like 
close-up footage of Dan, and they never seem to be in the same room. Yeah, I mean, well, they probably weren't because, again, COVID restrictions. You know, uh, this was made as part of the same block uh, with, along with, with Flux in the Eve of the Daleks. So it's, um, yeah, I, I think this is the episode that has most directly suffered as a result of COVID restrictions. Mm. Um, I mean, it suffered from a lot of things. I think I think there is there is a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that will one day come out which will explain a lot of why this episode is a is just such a mess yeah yeah um where are we up to right the doctor tells yaz if she did do a date it'd be with yaz mm. but she can't yeah time always runs out yeah i mean Doctor's got a point. Just maybe could have said that a little bit earlier. Yeah. Maybe when she had more time to run out. Yes, indeed. Instead of wasting their time trying to go to the beach all the time. Mm. Right. Uh, Ji-Hun sacrifices himself by holding the cables as the ship blows up. He's a man out of time. He should have died 300 years ago. Yeah. This Doctor... Is very lucky when it comes to people just willingly sacrificing themselves so she yeah. doesn't have to. Seems to happen on, a, on the regular. <laughs> yeah, pretty much at least once a series. Right, so Madame Ching now has the treasure to free her crew and invites Ying Ki to join her crew. And he loves yeah. the idea. Yeah, yeah. It, this, this woman that, that literally... I mean, in episode time, 25 minutes ago, he was holding directly responsible for his father's death. Yeah. He's now just like, yeah, cool, I'll join your crew. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I'd get over the murder of my father that quickly. No, no, I think it would take me a little while. Even if, you know, there were mitigating circumstances and they weren't directly responsible, it was more that they failed to intervene. Mm. Which is kind of what actually how that played out. But even so, I don't know that I'd be wanting to, you know, take them on as my as my primary employer. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the Doctor Yaz and Dan go to the beach. Uh, Dan yep. calls Di at the same time she calls him, and she yeah. misses him. Oh, yeah. Dan. Now. I like this. I like that we haven't completely dropped Die from the story. No. Um, I just wish those crazy kids could get it together. Yeah. Well, one hopes. One hopes. And I think that that means that Die is, is certainly locked in to play a role in the centenary, mm -hmm. even if we don't know how substantial a role that is, whether it's it's literally just when the dust settles, Dan wanders off and finds Di and that's it, happily ever after. I'd be fine with that, to be honest. As predictable as that is. Mm. Um, but we shall see. We shall see. Right. And then, final scene. The Doctor yeah. talks to Yaz. She says, I can't fix myself to anywhere or anyone or any time because it'll hurt in the long run. Yeah. And when she throws a stone into the ocean to make a wish, she says, I wish this would go on forever. 
Yeah, it's not. It's going to go on for about 90 more minutes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. A couple of months. <laughs> and then... And then yeah. we're done. Yeah, I mean, obvious obvious foreshadowing there, but it again, it's a nice scene. Nicely played. So the, that emotional through line, I think, works well. You know, there was enough of a thread there that you could hang a good story on it. But this is not a good story. No, no. You know, and, and it's all the more frustrating because there are so many good elements to it. Madam Ching, fascinating historical figure. We get to know almost nothing about her. She does not get the Rosa treatment here. Yeah, this could have been um, a lot better. Uh, yeah, it's it, uh, that's frustrating. That is frustrating. But, you know... Never mind, what's done is done. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. This was our final episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course, um, next week we're going to be doing our Series 13-ish wrap-up. Yeah. I mean, because obviously... We've got loose ends to tie up, haven't we? we? We do, we do. And maybe, depending on depending on the nature of the Centenary Special, maybe we will have an extra episode dedicated to that to just kind of unpack our thoughts a little more once the dust has settled. But uh, either way, we will be covering that in due course once it is out and available. Um, in the meantime, as I say, we've got... Uh, next week we'll be sort of... We'll be talking about this, either the Daleks and, and Flux in a little more detail and uh, having a general think about uh, this most recent run of episodes. Um, and beyond that, we've got other plans as well. Yeah, it's but, not really the last episode. We got no. him, David. We got him. We, we, we had him all you. fooled. Yeah, flawless, flawless ex- yeah. execution of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about our future plans, I think, next week. Uh, so for now, uh, it only remains for me to say... Thank you, as always, for listening, and until next time, cheerio. Goodbye forever. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at Time Nor Space Pod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.